Hear the word of God as it is found in the book of John, the great, famous, always inspiring third chapter of John, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Amen and amen. We are involved in a spiritual baby boom. Throughout this land, from shore to shore, border to border, people in all walks of life, at all age levels, in all types of situations, are talking, whether they know it or not, about spiritual conversion, spiritual rebirth, or by the term that it is commonly called being born again. We see all sorts of examples of this. Up to 20 years ago, books on conversions, on the process of salvation, 90% of them were written by practicing preachers and trained theologians. But in this year, it has been estimated that $600 million will be spent for religious books and records 
and that they will be authored by such people as Ruth Stapleton, the president's sister, Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys, Eldridge Cleaver, Dale Evans, Chuck Colson, and other individuals who are not seminary trained, who are not known as preachers, but who claim their authority from the fact that they have been born again. Here in the Pittsburgh area, another example is seen by the fact that very, very shortly now, there will be a major television station which, according to the president of the board of directors of that company, will be in business to do one thing, to win people for Jesus Christ. Another example I've gotten from you, because some of you have come to me and asked me what this means. Because in your home or at work or someplace, you have confronted a colleague or someone whom you have known for a long time, and there's an obvious change in that person's life. Now they seem to have a smile on their face. Some of them carry Bibles under their arms, and without any embarrassment whatsoever, they ask friend and foe, are you born again? Examples of the spiritual baby boom that is going on in this land at the present time. And such a boom has brought about mixed reactions. I know some people who have been uh, dissatisfied with their religion in the past now feel comforted. And some of those who have felt comfortable in their religion in the past are quite upset with what is going on now. I don't mean to compound the confusion, but for about three weeks now, I have felt the urging to preach on this particular basic thing which seems to be happening in our world today. And there are six things, six things that I would like you to hear and hope you will remember concerning spiritual rebirth. One, please make sure you understand that spiritual rebirth, or what is commonly called being born again, is one of the basic piers upon which the Christian faith is built. I find that's a shock to some Christians because they find that hard to believe. But believe me, as one who tries to study the Bible and knows some New Testament theology. Being born again is one of the basic piers upon which the bridge called Christianity has been built. You see, there are some people who think Christianity says or follow a religion that says that if you're going to find life, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God or see what life is all about, you do it by following laws, Ten Commandments, or the laws of somebody. You, you follow the laws, and if you are a person who adheres to the laws, you'll, you'll find life. 
There are other people who say that religion is saying, no, that's not it. All you have to do is lead a fairly ethical life. Just don't do too many bad things and above all, don't get caught and everything will be all right. You'll find the meaning of life. There's a third school that says, hey, when you're having difficulties, just hang on, grit your teeth, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's all you have to do. Oh, maybe say a few more prayers, put a few more dollars into the offering plate, go to church, maybe one or two more extra times. But God will favorably look down upon you and take care of you. Christianity says something different. Though some people say these other things and claim that that's what Christ says he doesn't. No, Christianity says that there's something wrong with every human being. By nature, humanly, instinctively, we get hung up on self. <laughs> we, each one of us, thinks that there's nobody quite as good as me. And everything that we do so often is motivated by this selfishness, self-centeredness, this hey world, look at me, this desire we have individually to play God. You have it and I have it. And the Bible says further that if we continue following this desire, which the Bible calls sin, we will kill every good relationship that exists. Just give us enough time, we'll kill every good relationship. The Bible further goes ahead in Christianity and says, and what's more, this desire that you have, this way that you are going, which is ruled by selfishness, there's not a single solitary thing you can do about it. That's right. You in your own effort cannot change it. The only thing that you can possibly hope for is to be able to, hey, start life all over again and to set get set by a, a new standard, a new motivation. The Bible says, though, we're so weighed down with the burden of guilt that comes from sin that it's very, very difficult for us even to think in this way, that by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through our belief, and that's the only way it comes, through faith, we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of sin, the taker away of all burden and guilt, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, start all over again, not being concerned about self first, but trying to do the will of God as we are led to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, if you have the courage and the belief, to take that step of faith, you are born again. And Jesus, not me, not the seminary professors, not organized religion, but Jesus, our leader, says that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. There's no other way. Spiritual rebirth is not an option. It's a requirement. It's not an elective. It's a requirement. It's in the imperative mood. You must be born again.
Now, let's make no mistake about that, because I hear some Presbyterians who are so reacting to the charismatic friends that they even act like Presbyterians don't believe in rebirth. We do. <laughs> it's the basic, one of the basic piers upon which the Christian faith is built. May we never, ever give the impression that we do not believe in spiritual rebirth. It's the kindergarten of the whole process, the beginning. The place where we do differ is how it happens. And that's the second thing that I want to say, that though rebirth is the, one of the basic peers of Christianity, not every one of us hears it the same. And I'm very sorry, Jesus doesn't help us out too much on this. Though he says you must be born again, he's a little vague when it gets to exactly how it happens. And consequently, we are divided into two groups of people. Those who look upon rebirth as strictly subjective. Strictly subjective. And they can name you. These people can name you. The day, the hour, the place, the people involved, even the clothes that they were wearing, when they were made aware of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and confessed him as Lord and Savior and felt a burden fall off their back and find that new joy, that new life. And to such people who have found Jesus Christ through that sudden rebirth, I say, Hallelujah, Amen, praise the Lord. But I'd also say, please don't judge everybody else by your subjective conversion. Because I'm a reborn Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. But I can't name you. The hour, the day, the place, the people involved. But I'm a born-again Christian. You see, I don't feel that I had too much to do with my spiritual rebirth, and I don't apologize for that because it suddenly dawned on me I didn't have too much to do with my physical birth either. That was my mom and pop, and the power of the Holy Spirit working through them with the grace and gift of fertilization. It's hard for me to face sometime, but I came into this world without any help from me. And you came into this world, and you had nothing to say about when or where you were going to be born. And I want to remind you that spiritual life also can happen this way. I was raised in a Christian home. I was baptized in a Christian church. I went to church school every Sunday. I had the influence of good Christian teaching. I had many Christian friends. And through the years and through the process, my spiritual rebirth was taking place. And I can't tell you the minute or the second it happened, but I know that God loves me. That I know that I am a sinner. And I know that there are many things that I have done wrong to hurt you, other people, and myself. But praise be to God, I know that I am forgiven through Jesus Christ. And by that, that grace, I am saved. And I know that God's Holy Spirit is leading me even as I preach this sermon right now.
I am a born-again Christian. But I look at it objectively. I responded only to that birth that was given to me gradually through time. And the point that I'm trying to make is, though all of us believe in spiritual rebirth, no two of us hears it the same way. Jesus explained that to Nicodemus when he said, How can a man, Nicodemus says, be born again? Jesus says, it's like the wind, Nicodemus. It's like the wind. You can't see the wind. You can only hear it. You can see what it does, the effects. But you only hear the wind. You don't know where it comes, nor where it goes to. All you can do is hear the wind. And we all hear that wind that is blowing out there now. Differently. So please, whether or not your conversion, your rebirth, has been a sudden subjective thing or whether it's been a long-term thing that has happened over the years, folks, don't discredit anybody's, anybody's rebirth simply because it's not been like your rebirth because we all hear it differently. Three. Spiritual rebirth respects no years. It can happen to anybody at any time. I have seen young people, 6th, 7th grade, that have had a tremendous grasp of the understanding of personal sin, sovereignty of God, grace of Jesus Christ. And I've seen people who have gone to church for many, many years and still don't understand what we're talking about. I have seen people be reborn to Christianity just minutes before they have died physically. It's not a respecter of years. It can happen any time, any place. <laughs> it even happens in church. I find, though, or that when it does happen at whatever year level, it always is accompanied with fear, fears. I haven't been in too many delivery rooms in the obstetric departments of our hospitals, but when I have been there just before birth takes place, we show it in different ways, but believe me, the atmosphere is permeated with fear. Wherever there's birth just about to take place, physically, there's always fear. Fear of not exactly knowing what goes on. Fear that something will go wrong. Fear is always there. And being a spiritual obstetrician, I find that when people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, either instantaneously or over the years, there comes with it always first a sense of great fear or fears. I've seen some people come to Jesus Christ because 
They had the fear that they were going to die. Others because they were frightened of the law. Some realized that they have some disease like alcoholism, drug addiction, other things that is slowly putting them down the drain and they're scared. I've seen people, and I think this is the case of Nicodemus, he came because he was frightened, he was losing out on life. Life was passing him by, and he was frightened. Very interesting to see by UPI report that these books that will sell in the $600 million, you know who's buying most of them? Married women between the ages of 28 and 40 and young people between the ages of 16 and 22. I bet there's a lot of punching of ribs going on in the pews right now. Yeah. Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is the beginning of rebirth. I've even seen people who have come asking for help for somebody who they are frightened to death will destroy him or herself and coming for help for that individual in the process <laughs> they have been reborn it happens all different ways but it usually always happens out of a sense of fears and always there is accompanying rebirth, tears. I've decided that there are some things in life that you just never get used to. One of those things, and let me tell you honestly, that I never get used to and hope I never will, is the excitement that comes upon me as I enter this place for worship. Another thing that I don't think I'll ever get used to is seeing the reaction of somebody who through prayer and on his or her knees confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and yields to the grace of Christ in faith to become a newborn Christian. When they get up from the kneeling position, I never get used to it. Chills are always going up and down my spine. And tears are just flooding the place. Can't tell if they're tears of happiness, tears of fear, tears of sadness, but the reaction is always the same. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because, you know, that's how we begin physical birth. You realize that? First thing that happens when we come and face this world in our physical life is to get a slap on you know where and to cry real big tears. So folks, when you're born again spiritually, there's nothing wrong with beginning that life with tears. Sixth thing, last thing. It's really about the only sad thing about rebirth, and it's simply this, that not everybody accepts it with cheers. Though it's one of the basic peers of Christianity, and each one of us hears it differently, 
It is not a respecter of years, always preceded with fears, always accompanied with tears. Not everybody accepts it with cheers. And that's too bad. Bob Cox is a man that I met at Princeton. He came home and spent part of the middle year Christmas vacation at our home because he didn't have any place to go. Graduate of Notre Dame University. Was a graduate and practicing physician after graduating from John Hopkins Medical School. He was born again. Came to seminary. And his family disowned him. Great powerful message Bob Cox has. But not all people, especially those whom he loves the most, cheer when he speaks it. Nicodemus was a man who I'm sure was ostracized from the Supreme Court. That's what he was a member of, the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. Because he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Please remember that when people make fun of your rebirth, that's not a reflection on you, that's a reflection on them. Because there are many people who only laugh, jeer, and do not cheer when somebody becomes a reborn Christian. That's the way it's always been. I guess it's not going to change because it always seems that there are people who never like the king's baby. And that's who we are when we confess Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord of life. I preach this sermon today for two reasons. One, we don't preach too many sermons strictly on this subject. Salvation and rebirth is underlying the heart of all sermons I hope that I preach. But you see, when I come into this pulpit, I have a decision I have to make. Am I going to be speaking to Christians or to non-Christians? And most of the times when I come in here, I believe I'm speaking to born-again Christians. I don't care what you think of your, yourself, but if you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, I believe you, and that makes you reborn. And when I come up here, my job is not to give you milk, but to let you chew on meat. So consequently, I presume most of the time when I come in here, that you are reborn. But I preach this sermon for a second reason. That maybe some of you are not. And every once in a while we do this. Led by the Spirit of God, we give an invitation for those who this day, as a result of much that has gone on, have heard something new. And for those of you who are not sure, those of you who suddenly have seen this thing in a whole new perspective, some of you who say, I'm not sure, I want to be sure of my rebirth. I'm going to ask you to stay after this service of worship. Just mingle under the balcony. Jack Willard and I will be with you as soon as we can. Don't leave with this thing unsettled. Because in God's eyes, 
we either are or we are not. And only he and we individually know the difference. Father, thank you for getting us back to the basics. Thank you for helping us to understand in a new, clear way the meaning of what all of us must go through if we're going to find the meaning of life.